Hi there, and welcome to a new episode of my weekly podcast. I'm Father Roderick, and this is the first show of the new year. So happy new year to all of you that have started 2019 with me. And hopefully it's going to be another great year for podcasting. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. We've got lots of stuff to talk about. And also in 2019, this show is brought to you free of any advertisement, because who likes advertising? It's it's, uh, uh, it's the, the most skippable part of any podcast. So I don't force you to skip. There's not any advertisement in this show, thanks to my patrons. Over at patreon.com slash fatherroderick, you can join the community that supports me on a monthly basis with small gifts and some more substantial gifts, whatever is in your means. And if you are unable to to participate in the patron community, then at least support the show by sharing it, by praying for me or for the show, uh, praying for the other listeners. Um, there, there's so many ways in which we you can contribute to this, uh, this effort. So let's take a look at the news. You know what's going on? This is what's happening in your world. They said Catholics rule. We got Boston, South America, the good part of Ireland, and we're making serious inroads in Mozambique, baby. You've taken your first step into a larger world. So vacation is over, my Christmas break that I was looking forward to so much. At the end of the year, I was so tired and I was in desperate need uh, of a holiday. And that failed miserably. This was an exhausting two weeks of work, work, and even more work. And at the end of the of the of the winter holiday, I, this week earlier this week, I came back to work and I was already exhausted. It was a really bad start of the new year. Um, I explained why and what happened and what the issues are that I'm currently facing in the latest episode of the Walk that you can find over at Tridio.com. So T R I D E O.com for all you new, new listeners. The Walk is a is my other show that I record while taking you for a walk, an audio walk outside. And that's where I share my innermost secrets and what's what's going on in my life. Um, so a bit of a false start at the beginning of the new year, um, but I'm trying to remedy it and to improve. Um, but <laughs> suffice, suffice it to say that uh, my, 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 my uh, Christmas holiday wasn't restful at all. And uh, But I'm still recording this podcast for you because I don't want to skip these 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 shows in the new year. That's one of my new year's resolutions is to always be there for you no matter what else happens in my life. So I hope you had a good start of the new year that you had a restful Christmas holiday, met uh, lots of people, uh, you were able to also relax and perhaps read or watch a movie, spend time with your family. Um, anything that that helps you. I hope you uh, you enjoyed it over this uh, winter break. Um, uh, there, there, lots of things happened here. Um, so I'm currently officially sitting in Studio One, which is the podcast studio with a green screen. But now we have a Studio Two in this building as well. It is the former meeting room of Tridio. And uh, during the first week of January... Uh, a team of set builders have been building an entire set there, like a decor, um, for um, a new show, a live show that I'm going to do for my Dutch audience, in my television audience. And this is a brand new kind of a pilot project where um, people, after having watched the television show live, they can go to Facebook and we will have an after show in a certain way. So it's very similar to what I do right here in front of the green screen and talking to you guys. But instead, it's going to be done with a television budget. So the set is unbelievable. I, it's, I don't recognize that room anymore. Um, this is a, one of the best set builders that we have in the industry in the Netherlands. He builds these massive sets for big shows like, I don't know, uh, the, the, the Voice of Holland and uh, all these big, big budget shows. But he also does smaller work. And, uh, and so he created something that looks like um, as if it, it could have been my living room in a way. There, there are bookshelves and it's, it's, it's not just the, the, the whole background that they put in place, but also um, the, 
accessorize, accessorizing, you know, you know plants and, and, and stuff. <laughs> it's just unbelievable. You can, you can tell that this is a, uh, a professional who did this because my house does not look as good as that studio over there. But we, we want to create uh, an environment where people have the feeling that they are visiting me, that this is this, uh, like, I don't know, it has to feel cozy. Um, and, and he did a terrific job, and I'm very, very proud of what they did. The only reason that I haven't showed you what it looks like yet is that the guys from The Light has, have, still have to um, uh, kind of put the studio lights in place because this will also be professionally lit. Um, so it's, 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 uh, it's crazy. I never thought that I would live to see the day that we would have a professional television studio here uh, that's more than, even cooler than a green screen. So, um, th th and at the same time, it's a bit daunting because we've ne I've never done something like this before. Uh, it's not something that in the television industry they are used to, to combine live streaming on, on the internet with a television show. But I'm happy to be their guinea pig, and I'm happy to be uh, at the helm of this pilot uh, project. And, well, I just have confidence that with the uh, large amount of experience that I have uh, with podcasting and, and streaming live uh, with these shows, um, I'll be able to pull it off. And, and hopefully the aim is, of course, to strengthen the bond with my audience. A television audience is normally quite anonymous. And I'm lucky enough to always meet people when I'm walking outside. People walk up to me and they, they, they know me from TV and so they want to chat. And I think the fact that I'm a priest and so I have this kind of pastoral side also helps, I think, uh, people to, to, to approach me. Um, but what, when you're airing a television show, you don't see your audience. You can't interact. Uh, and it's, so it's very different from, from live streaming, what I do with these podcasts where people can chat and, and, and leave comments and react and like and share and uh, suggest topics and whatnot, ask questions. Um, so a lot of the, the interaction that I'm used to in social media is, is something that my colleagues over at the radio and television are, they're not used to that and they don't know how to, how to handle that in a certain way, Un uh, unless it is, you know, this very kind of uh, cliche, uh, like call us to answer our riddle and you can win a prize or something like that. Or, or let us know your favorite song and we'll, we'll play it on the radio. Um, but to have these, this live interaction with an audience that is watching but also participating, that is pretty new in, tele in, the, in the Dutch television world. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I think it is going to help. Uh, it's going to strengthen the program, perhaps not in terms of, of getting more viewers, in a, let's say, for, for, uh, it, it, it will, the, the quality of the relationship with my, with my audience is going to improve. It's going to be helped by this uh, live streaming. So once the lights are in place, um, that's going to probably take another week or, or perhaps two weeks because we still have to buy the, the other, the technical equipment, the, the camera and, and uh, the other equipment that is needed to stream um, because I can't use the equipment that I use for my own shows because that is in Studio One, and I want to keep that in. That has to stay put. So we'll have to get some new equipment in the other room. And once we have the camera, then they can do the lights because the lights, of course, are dependent on on the type of camera that you use. Um, but it's it's exciting. It's another step f forward on this road to. Well, I don't know. Perfection? <laughs> Speaking of perfection, we need to talk about a movie in which perfection is a very important value, especially for the main character of that movie, who is perfect, practically perfect in every way. Of course, I'm talking about the movie Mary Poppins Returns. It's one of the many movies that I watched over the winter break. And I have a whole slew of reviews to share with you. Many movies you may have heard of or you may have watched them yourself already, but I haven't talked about them on the show yet. So let's do that. How do you not like movies? They're predictable. Like the guy gets the girl and that kid sees dead people and Darth Vader is Luke's father. Not liking movies is like not liking puppies. They're fine. I just get bored and never make it to the end. You know, you need a movie education. You need a movication. I'm going to give it to you. 
Now, of course, this was the week of the Golden Globes, which usually gives us a good indication which uh, movies and actors and actresses will be nominated for the Oscars as well. And the Golden Globe, uh, for once, uh, gave prizes to a lot of my favorite movies. And so one of the awards went to Mary Poppins Returns, uh, a long-awaited sequel to Mary Poppins. That movie is from 1964. Can you believe it? The original Mary Poppins? I remember it as if I have seen it in my youth, which is, well, probably the case. I've seen it, but I, I never went to the premiere, of course, because I wasn't even born yet. This is four years before I was born. So it's it's one of the classic Disney movies, absolute masterpiece. Um, it is a combination of uh, real action filmed on stage, uh, dance, a musical, and hand-drawn animation. And these this is kind of the age of the reboots and the sequels and, and people are constantly, uh, or the industry is constantly taking, looking back and taking movies that worked and stories that worked and, and, and bringing them to, to a newer audience. And with Mary Poppins, of course, that was a very daunting enterprise because this movie is so well-known and such a classic. Every song in Mary Poppins is known by, at least by my generation and probably also by the younger generations um, because they're instant classics. And doing a sequel, this is not a reboot. This is a genuine sequel. For, don't forget these books, these movies are based on books. There's a whole series of books uh, about Mary Poppins. And so they are. there are certain restrictions on what they can do with the franchise. But to, to make a sequel to such a beloved classic Disney movie, um, everybody was over at Disney was nervous, of course, whether they would pull it off. Well, I can tell you that they did and how this movie was amazing i loved it i saw it on a in, uh, during a matinee i was very surprised this movie has been in in theater for for a few weeks now the the uh, theater was packed what new usually when i go to the to the theater i go to movies that have been running for a few weeks and then you know that there are what 30 40 people especially in the middle of the day well this time this was, a, I think, a morning, like a matinee uh, show. And there were no empty seats. I've never seen this before. And another thing that, that surprised me was that the theater was filled with multiple generations. There were grandparents, um, like above my age. There were people from my generation. There were children, uh, grandchildren. There, there were a bunch of, of young kids. I, they must have been, I don't know, five, six years old. And this was an English language screening because we also have a dubbed version of Mary Poppins Returns where all the songs have been uh, translated and, and, and they're sung in, in Dutch, which is always very tricky. It takes a long time to do all these translations in, in different languages with a, with a musical because you, you have to translate all the songs. They have to find matching voices. Um, and it's amazing if you go to Spotify or, or Apple Music or uh, in my case, uh, um, uh, what is it, Google Play Music, and you listen to the other language versions of the soundtrack. It's, um, it's uncanny how much the voices that they select in these other languages resemble the original voices, uh, of uh, the English voices. Unbelievable. So, um, but these kids, these five, six-year-old kids were watching the movie. I'm, I'm pretty sure that they couldn't read the subtitles, but they loved it. They loved it. And so did I. I'd read a few reviews saying that the movie was very... Um, uh, very much kind of a, a repeat of, of Mary Poppins, didn't break new grounds. Uh, it was very derivative, according to some, some more critical reviews. And um, I also had read a few reviews complaining about the music, about the songs, that the songs were not memorable, they didn't have the spark of the original musical, the, 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 the songs. And so I was kind of like, I didn't know what to expect. I was... I was looking forward to it, but would, would it still be feel like Mary Poppins or would they do like an upgraded thing? Well, this is totally, this is totally Mary Poppins. Emily Blunt, is, this is one of her best roles. It's amazing. She, she absolutely should win an Oscar for this. Uh, her Mary Poppins 
in in a certain way, I know this may sound like blasphemy to the fans of the original, but in in some ways, I think her Mary Poppins was superior to the original Mary Poppins. <laughs> ah, but Julie Andrews, seriously. She was so good. And who knew that she had such an amazing singing voice? She does all the songs. She sings all the songs herself. And she's got a beautiful voice, a beautiful voice. And, and, and she nails the accent. I mean, for days after seeing Mary Poppins Returns, I was speaking like this all the time. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Loved it. Um, the songs, well, they are memorable. And, of course, they are not as well-known as the original soundtrack, but that took a lot, a lot of time. I remember I had a, a, a record um, when I was a kid with the Dutch version of Mary Poppins, and I would sing along with the songs. And there were lyrics on the cover of the, of the, the LP, um, so I, could, I learned them by heart. But it's by sheer repetition that, I, that those songs became so familiar. So what do these critics expect? That you can hum along and sing along the first time you see this movie? Of course not. But I've been having this, I've been playing this soundtrack on repeat for, for, the, for the last two weeks. And all these melodies are amazing. I love them. And they so much feel congruent with what they did in the first Mary Poppins movie. There were also, of course, I went back and rewatched the original, the 1964 version, and it was so cool to see all the little hints in this new movie that that refer to the original. Um, like there, there is this one house in the street of where, where the family lives that Mary Poppins visits, but there the, the neighbor has a rooftop that looks like a ship, <laughs> like the bridge of a ship, and he fires a, a, a cannon uh, to mark the hour. And I had totally forgotten about that. So when they put that in the movie, in the new movie, I was like, that's got to be a reference to the earlier movie. And yes, lo and behold, in the first movie, that plays a very important role in the first movie. Uh, the story of the second movie um, is in a way similar to the first Mary Poppins movie. It, it, it's it's a very thin story. It's a very simple story. It goes from song to dance to song. Um, and the story is a bit of a pretext for all those songs. But I still felt that this second story was better, had more, more emotional impact than the first movie. Uh, the first movie really feels a bit old. And, and I mean, it's a fun story, but it's really geared to, towards children. And it's literally, let's walk a little bit, let's sing a song, and then let's walk a little bit more. The, the, the story almost feels like a gratuitous, a, a, a pretext for the songs. The second movie has... The theme of, of loss, you know, the, the, the family, the mother is no longer alive. She, she died, uh, and so the, the father is struggling with that. And there's this beautiful song uh, that Mary Poppins sings about the place where the lost things go. And I choked up at the movies. I still choke up when I hear the song. It's a beautiful, beautiful song. It's one of the slower songs um, in the, uh, on the soundtrack. Um, but about that people who die and things that get lost actually never get lost in this in this magical world of Mary Poppins. They they just go to the place where the lost things go. And I, I th it's such a beautiful metaphor of heaven. Um, so for that alone, I, I applaud this movie, and I'm I'm dying to see it again. Uh, it's 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 a, an instant classic for me. That was not the only music based movie that I watched, actually the last movie of the year of 2018 that I saw was Bohemian Rhapsody, which is this biopic about the life of uh, the band Queen and its lead singer, Freddie Mercury, played by Rami, uh, I always forget his name, uh, Sam Ramek. <laughs> now I have to Google it. Um, the guy who plays... Um, uh, Mr. Robot. Um, let's see. Rami Malek. Rami Malek. Um, so he is Freddie Mercury. He becomes Freddie Mercury. Uh, I grew up with the band Queen. Uh, one of my best friends was a huge fan of Queen. I, at the time, I, I, I only listened to to film music, uh, Star Wars, anything John Williams, <laughs> and a little bit of, uh, of the James Bond. I had a few uh, records of James Bond music, and then I had, uh, what else did I have? Uh, mostly, li I listened to symphonic film music. 
But because my friend at in high school was so uh, such a fan of of, uh, of Queen, I also started to listen to those songs and 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 really liked them. Um, but I have to say that the world of the band or the the stuff of because this was way before the internet. So what the only thing that we read or the, what what you heard about a band was what you read in the newspapers and in the magazines. Um, and so I. That was such a strange world for me, the world of rock and roll and all these, you know, stars and the, the, like the, 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 the excesses of that life as well. It was very, very far away from my experience. So seeing this movie now and the kind of uh, – and I, they did, I, I think, a great job not only recreating the songs and, and, and uh, the, the live, live Aid performance, uh, which was practically perfect in, in every way, <laughs> but also to – Make these characters, especially the character of Freddie Mercury, multidimensional, not just show how his life goes off the rails, but also show the kind of the vulnerable side. And behind every exuberant performer, there's a real human being with struggles, with with confusion, with bad choices, uh, perhaps also bad influence of friends. And I think the movie does a great job giving us this this very nuanced image and realistic story I think of the lead singer and I'm not meaning realistic in a historical way because the movie does take a lot of liberties and and condenses this the story leaves out a lot uh, but it's a story they're not it's not a documentary that was one of the big struggles this movie took a long time to make especially because I think there was this this constant struggle between the the people who were making the movie or trying to make a movie and to tell a story in the language of a movie and and the original band members uh, that were st- the, the ones that are still there and who was like, but that didn't go like that or you f- you're forgetting this aspect. And then constantly there was this, well, we're, we're telling a story. We're, we're making a movie. We're not doing a documentary. But the end result is amazing and rightfully uh, won a lot of Golden Globes, um, especially uh, uh, Rami Malek. Uh, it's unbelievable. If you know his character only or his acting only from Mr. Robot, like this is a totally different character that he plays, but he does it so well. Even physically, it looks so much like Freddie Mercury. Um, so for that alone, I think he, he his his Golden Globe was well deserved, and I I'm rooting for him for an Oscar as well because it's amazing acting work. Not just him, I think everyone in this movie is is really really great. And of course, it has all the songs. It's the original music. They were able to use those multi tracks from the original recordings, and they were able to leave out sometimes to to remove the voices and just use the, the musical tracks. So the entire soundtrack is the music of Queen, and sometimes like we've never heard it before. Um, they also uh, use the voice of um, uh, a a voice alike, uh, a guy who is known from YouTube for for his uncanny resemblance and the resemblance of his voice to the voice of Freddie Mercury, and it's fascinating to uh, read the the or to hear the interviews with this guy. Um, definitely, uh, I think you should check it out. I forgot his name. He's from Canada. Um, let's see, voice, voice alike, Freddie Mercury, Canadian, um, yeah, there he is, Mark Martell, Mark Martell, uh, just Google, um, his audition on YouTube of, of the song Somebody to Love, which was one of his first songs that he recorded, and that, that's what, why he got noticed, um, and so, obviously, they, they Freddie Mercury is no longer around, but they used his voice and also uh, Malik's voice for, uh, and and they kind of blended it together, and it it sounds totally believable. Uh, even the band members, the, the real band members, sometimes forgot that uh, uh, Rami Malik was only playing Freddie Mercury because he kind of became Mercury on set, almost like a method actor. So that was another movie that I tremendously appreciated and enjoyed. Um, I also saw, uh, let's see, in the Golden Globes. um, Oh, I think actually Mary Poppins didn't win a Golden Globe or did it. Green Book won it, but Green Book is not, not out yet in the Netherlands. 
Um, oh, another movie that I saw, and I think it also won a Golden Globe, rightfully so, was Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. We got a glimpse of, of, of this animated feature at the end of, uh, kind of in the after credits of Venom, which is a movie that was tremendously successful last year, despite my very bad review of it, because I really did not like that movie, but... Uh, Clearly, most people did. Uh, so you saw this excerpt of Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, and I, I saw it um, two weeks ago, and I totally adored it. What an amazing animated movie that is. Um, definitely the best Spider-Man movie out there. Unbelievable. The acting, in, in so far as you can speak about acting in an animated movie, but it's amazing. It's so amazing. Um like everything worked and and the whole idea of ha having this story play out in this multiverse so there's spider-man incarnations from all sorts of different genres that are meeting each other because of some kind of multi-dimensional explosions kind of doctor who like you know it's like all these different uh, um realities blend together and then they have to somehow fix that and get back to their own to, to their own reality uh, just to take that as that is something you can only do in an animated movie and and so they used the language of an animated feature movie so well to tell a story that you could not do with just live action and special effects so amazing and this is of course going to get a sequel and it, it I think it leads the way for animated uh, movies and it's been you know, this is a movie with a relatively low budget, but it is so successful and it made so much money. So I hope that we'll get to see more of these animated features like of this kind of quality. Um, and well, for me, I hope we're uh, instead, you know, DC, instead of doing all these kind of missed opportunities, I hope that they too will explore the uh, opportunity that that is uh, shown by by uh, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse to to explore perhaps telling stories with animated features. I don't know. Um, then also an award, uh, a Golden Globe was for uh, the television series The Americans, which I uh, started to watch again over this over the winter break. Um, it's a series about uh, undercover Russian agents that live like a regular American family, but are actually Russian spies. And their neighbor is an FBI agent who doesn't has no idea that his neighbors are actually Russian spies. Uh, it's, it's, it's a great series. Absolutely a great television, great acting, um, and a very, you know, on the edge of your seat type of storytelling. So um, I'm only now at the in halfway through the second season, so I've still got a lot of seasons ahead of me. But um, I love it. Um, and the last movie that I saw just two days ago was the final run, the final sh uh, um, showing of Peter Jackson's latest uh, movie. He didn't direct it, but he was a producer and also a scriptwriter uh, with Philippa Boyens. Um, the, the movie Mortal Engines, based on a book series, um, and that was a movie that failed miserably at the box office. It, is, it, it, it had huge losses. It was a very expensive movie to make. And clearly, when Peter Jackson bought the rights to the books, it, that was at the time that, you know, these, these big trilogies, world building was all the rage and you'd have all these dystopian future movies. This movie is a bit too late. It is, it is coming after kind of the... the the big success of all those movies, but now <laughs> people are, are looking to other types of stories, and I think that's why it failed. Also, the premise of the movie is so unfamiliar. The, these books are very popular in New Zealand and some other countries, but not in, in, not in Europe uh, and, and not in the United States. And so... Um, the, the premise is that there, this is in a world after some kind of nuclear disaster that wiped out most of humanity. And um, s some cities are now roaming the planet, literally. They're built on wheels, on <laughs> like massive, huge tanks. And there are these bigger cities, like there, London is the evil city here. And it's those bigger cities are hunting small settlements that are also mobile settlements now 
And literally, you have to think of Bavarian town on wheels. That's crazy. And then London is this big, massive tank that gobbles up the entire village and its inhabitants and, and uses the resources to fuel the engines. Now, that is such a weird premise that I'm not surprised that a lot of people did not check out the movie. What, what also didn't help was that the movie here in the Netherlands was uh, in almost every theater uh, programmed in the late evening. So it would start at 10 o'clock in the evening and finish at like 1 o'clock at night. Who is going to watch that? Not the younger audience that this movie is targeting. And so for the last few showings, uh, they put the movie at a quarter to six in the evening. So I literally caught the last one in 3D. And I am so glad that I did because I loved this movie. It looks amazing. The world building is fantastic. I'm a sucker for these kind of stories. I apologize. Uh, No, I'm not apologizing. This is just... I love this, and and I'm very sad that the movie was a flop and that we will not get to see any sequels because, of course, I, I, I now want to know <coughs> excuse me, what, what, what the rest of the story is about. Even though the, the, you can watch this first movie, there's not a cliffhanger. This is a standalone story, uh, but there's more to it, and now I want to read the books. I want to I see more, and, and at least I have a, a, a mental image of what this world looks like. The world building is amazing. The... In in some some critics compared this movie with the, uh, this dreadful, terrible movie Valerian Valerian um, by this the the same guy who made uh, the Fifth Element. Valerian was horrible. Luc Besson. V- Valerian was was a, a, in my opinion a f- total failure. Even though visually it was spectacular, but there was no chemistry whatsoever. There was anti-chemistry between the two lead roles. Those actors did not fit in that movie, and it, and they were so unlikable. Well, that's not the case with the the couple that has the two two main roles in this movie. They are great together. There's a lot of chemistry, and they're very likable. And I want to I want to know them more better. I want to see more of their adventures. We'll never get to see them because nobody checked it out. So hopefully this movie will still get a second life on Blu-ray and uh, and DVD, perhaps a streaming service. But I, I'm sad that this, because it's such an original world and it's executed so well. This was filmed in New Zealand. Uh, the special effects are by, by Weta Studios. Of course, th- the best special effects in the world. Um, so... Uh, is amazing, and at the same time, I understand that it flopped. I understand that for a lot of people, this is not the movie that they're looking for. But for me, it was. I loved it, and I'm definitely going to get it on Blu-ray, and I hope that there's going to be a director's commentary, because this movie is amazing. It's totally amazing. And there is not a single boring moment in this movie. Just the, the story, even though visually it's a lot of these big cities, and you're, like the tr- when I saw the trailer, I was not that enthusiastic about it. I was like, eh, I don't know about this. This may be another Valerian. But it's not. And this movie kept me entertained and on the edge of my seat from the beginning to the end. So big thumbs up for uh, Mortal Engines. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the extent of my very long movies and TV segment of today. (laughs) Catholics rock! It's time for a short visit to the Peculiar Bunch. And that refers to Catholics and their strange traditions. Catholics can be a peculiar bunch. No meat on Friday. No meat? What do they eat? Light bulbs? Today I want to talk about one of the strangest traditions that I know from my time in Italy. It is the Wicked Witch. Man, you guys got more crazy rules than Blockbuster Video. also called La Befana in Italian. And uh, it's not the Wicked Witch from The Wizard of Oz. Uh, This is a witch that features heavily in the celebration of uh, the feast of the... Now I have to find the name in English. The the, the wise men uh, from the East. The... um, La Befana is... 
celebrated on the Feast of the Epiphany. I apologize. Sometimes when I'm tired, I'm <laughs> I can't find these words. The Epiphany on January the 6th is one of the most important celebrations after Christmas. And it is uh, commemorating the fact that Jesus revealed himself as the Messiah, not, not only to the people of Israel, but to the entire world. And the wise men who came from the East are symbolizing that opening up of God's message to the entire world because they were not Jewish. They came from a different culture, a different country, but they kneel down in front of the king, fulfilling the prophecies in the Old Testament that people from all over the world would kneel down and would accept the, 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 this successor uh, to King David from the family of King David, who would be the shepherd of, uh, of the world. And so this Feast of the Epiphany, is um, celebrated all over the world. We have our local traditions here in the Netherlands. It was very cute on, on, on the Sunday of the Epiphany. We had a lot of children in the church, and then they go to uh, their own service of the word, uh, their celebration of the word. So they read uh, like a... They go to a different space for the beginning of Mass, and then they will have an adapted version of the gospel that's read to them, and then they pray together and talk together. Um, and this time, they had to elect a new king, um, so uh, there is a cake that is presented to the kids, and in the cake is one is a bean, a coffee bean in this case. And so they divide up the cake, and every child gets a piece. And then the the child, the boy or the girl that finds the um, the the coffee bean, is crowned king as a successor to the the kings from the east the wise men from the east and then uh, gets a crown and is and when the children come back before the liturgy of the eucharist um, that that king is welcomed by the people in church and so was, this this year it was a, a very cute little boy um, just adorable uh, i think he was 5 years old or something like that um, and he he was so happy to be the king i mean he was beaming uh, and he had, had this beautiful crown he sat down in front of the altar on the step, steps of the altar where and the other children went to back to their seats and to their parents and so before I continued mass I sat down next to him and I had a little interview with the new king and then towards the end I told him well the kings the original kings in the story they bring their gifts to Jesus are you going to bring a gift to Jesus would you like to gift your crown to little baby Jesus in the nativity scene. And he was glad to do so. So he, uh, he stepped into this. We had this huge, huge nativity scene in the church. It's a tiny church, the St. Joseph's Church, and a big nativity scene with almost life, life-sized uh, statues. And so there's this big baby Jesus in, a, in the manger. And so he walked into the stable and put his crown on Jesus' head. And then... He looked at the people in church and then he took the crown back because, of course, it was his crown. But it was such a cute, funny moment. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. And, and of course, it's something that these children will remember for the rest of their lives. So well, these traditions are, are great ways to tell the story of the gospel in, in ways that children remember and where they can actually participate in these stories. So in Italy, there was this strange tradition um, that I that I'd never heard of before, but I've studied for two years in Rome. And for the children, um, in, in the United States, in North, North America, the kids get presents at Christmas. But in Italy, they get presents on the Feast of the Epiphany. And there is a strange mythology surrounding those the, 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 those gifts because they're not brought by the infant Jesus, which is something you would expect in a Catholic country like uh, like Italy, but instead they are brought by a witch on a broomstick, literally. You see all these drawings and and uh, advertisements and and statuettes of a witch, like a classic witch with a black hat, pointy hat. It looks a bit like the, the Wicked Witch from The Wizard of Oz, flying on a broomstick and, and giving these children presents. And it always puzzled me so much. I was like, that is such a strange story in a Catholic country. 
to, to combine the story of the epiphany, which ha already has so many visual elements in the story itself, the wise men from the East, uh, you know, the, the, the kings. Why replace that by a witch? And so fortunately on Alatea, uh, which is a, a, a great website that gives a, uh, always, you know, posts a lot of interesting articles, they explained how this came about. Um, the feast uh, in Italy uh, has a witch as its main character because the witch itself is not uh, derived from the stories of, of the classic witches that we have, but instead goes back to an ancient story about an old woman who was cleaning her house and she was at an advanced age. And while she was cleaning the house, um, there was a knock on the door. She opens the door and lo and behold, it's the Magi from the East. And the Magi tell her this story about the star that appeared in the sky and that that star was identified by them as the star from the prophecies, the star that would lead them to a king. And they're so excited to that the star is pointing them the way. And so they've been traveling and then they, they saw this little house of this old woman and, and they went by to, to, to rest. And then they invite her to come along with them to, to Bethlehem, to follow the star like they do to Bethlehem and visit this newborn king. And this old woman serves them a warm meal, gives them shelter, but she's so busy with, you know, uh, helping her guests and cleaning the house that she refuses the invitation to come along. She's like, no, I got to clean the house. And she, she, she uses her broom to, to keep her house in order. So it's in, in a way, the story resembles a, a bit the story of Mary and Martha, where Martha is so busy, uh, whereas Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus. And so uh, this old woman kind of resembles the character of Martha. She's so busy leading her life and taking care of her guests and cleaning the house that she's too busy to make room for the birth of Christ. And so she, she stays behind. And the Magi continue their journey following the star. And then after a few days, the old woman realizes that she has made a mistake, that the child that was born in Bethlehem was actually the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And then she takes her, she, she gathers her broom and a few gifts because she heard that the Magi was bringing, were going to bring gifts to the newborn child and tries to hurry after the caravan of the Magi. But she, because of her advanced age and because she, she took so long to follow the star, she never catches up to the Magi and continues to search for the infant uh, Jesus up to the present time. And every year on the eve of the Epiphany, the day that Jesus revealed himself to the world and to these people from different cultures, different countries like her, she still roams the world, now leaving presents for each child that she visits in reparation for her mistake. And so the identification of this old woman with her broom uh, uh, as a witch is made of course because of of the uh, the kind of the, the the way the mythology has evolved over time and then so, uh, uh, the the story according to the myth she goes down the chimneys um to put those presents uh in the shoes of the children while they are sleeping so you see a little bit of the influence of the stories of saint nicholas and santa claus here and that's why she is so dark and that's why her clothes are all black like like real witches. And she has the broomstick that she uses to, I don't know, sweep the chimney perhaps. <laughs> and so she, she, the story has evolved and mutated into her actually flying around on her broomstick. And then, of course, it's a, it's a very simple uh, step to, to uh, you know, the, the identity as a witch. But so that is the background of that story and of that tradition. So in Italy, the presents are given by this old lady who was so busy living her life that she forgot to travel um, to, uh, to Bethlehem. But it's not too late to do good, and that's what she does. And instead of giving her gifts to the uh, infant Jesus, she gives them to every child in the world. And every child, of course, in a way, resembles the infant Jesus. So 
Uh, there is a good moral story behind that tradition, and I never knew. So there you go. Now you know it as well. So if you ever visit uh, uh, Rome uh, during Christmas time, make sure to stay until the, the celebration of La Befana uh, at the Epiphany. And with that, I think it is time for some science. Do I have a jingle for science? I bet I bet you I have. Yeah, here it is. And it starts with a, a bit of humming. But there are very, very exciting new uh, things happening in the world of science, in the world of uh, astronomy and space exploration. And of course, that is one of my big fields of interest. And I want to talk a little bit about it. Just today I read something about a that they scientists have finally seen a black hole gobbling up a star. Unbelievable. The scientifically wonderful world of science. What sort of science? Welcome back, science friend. And according to the calculations of these uh, scientists, the, the black hole was actually spinning around at half the light speed, half the speed of light. Unbelievable. So they've learned so much. This is the first time they actually witness a star being eaten by a black hole. Speaking of a black hole, the black hole, remember that movie? Probably not. The Disney movie, The Black Hole. It is very hard to find. Um, it's one of the movies that came out after uh, Star Wars A New Hope. And it's it's an amazing story. It's kind of like the, uh, what is it, uh, 20,000 Miles under the sea, the the story of the the Nautilus, but then in space, it's this 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 big ancient ship that is hovering at on the edge of a black hole, and uh, I loved that movie uh, as a child, and I'm so glad that I finally found a good copy of that movie. So I've been watching it again, and I don't understand why Disney is is not re-releasing this movie. It is, it's great. I mean, yeah, it's old. But so is Star Wars. Um, but it's it's such a unique science fiction movie in the Disney stable. And actually, I think they should reboot it. The story is uh, has a lot of opportunities for, uh, I think, uh, either a television series or, uh, or a, a new movie version. Hope they do that. Anyway, so um, that, that is not a very scientific movie, of course, as you can imagine. But it's it's really good. It's really entertaining. Um, and also a bit dark. It's, it's almost a bit too dark for Disney. But... Pretty cool. Um, anyway, um, in real space exploration, um, we had this visit in the new year uh, of the furthest, uh, the most distant object in our solar system ever visited by a probe from the planet Earth. After 13 years in deep space, New Horizons zipped by Ultima Thule um, at a speed of 31,000 miles per hour. The same, this is the same probe that passed Pluto in 2015, giving us these amazing pictures of the surface of Pluto, which was so surprising. Um, the difference here is that Pluto is 100 times the size of Ultima Thule. So this probe only had a few minutes to capture images of this distant object and they send back these of course it takes a long time for this data this high resolution data to to be transmitted to earth so we've only seen uh, a blurry picture um, and and we'll get much better pictures later and it's so funny it looks like bb8 or a snowman a red snowman <laughs> so this is a an object that actually consists of two um probably froze it's like frozen gas objects that that collided and kind of formed a snowman <laughs> it looks like a snowman so how fitting is that in the new year right after christmas to see a floating snowman in space and also with a bit of an imagination you could see a, like a bb8 in that and i thought it was so cool and it just the um, the cunning uh, ability of the scientists that programmed this probe to 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 pass these amazing objects and show us something that we will never see with the naked eye unbelievable uh, that, that that we are able to do this this kind of stuff and then not not let's not forget about the probe that is heading towards the sun and is going to get closer to the sun than any other probe has ever been uh, sending us so much information about the 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 
uh, our solar system and how it came into being because this this um, Ultima Thule is also one of the oldest objects in our solar system and gives us clues ab about how our solar system came into existence. And the scientists didn't even know if, if, if these were actually two separate objects that were kind of rotating uh, around each other or whether this was one object. And so instead it's two that have merged together. It's a, it's a snowman. Love it. Ultima Thule kind of sounds like a like a, uh, a super villain or something like that. I, I think they should give it a cuter name or something. I don't know. <laughs> Probably not going to happen. So always love to read these stories uh, about technology, about space exploration. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure that this new year will give us so much more of that kind of news. When did you become an expert in thermonuclear astrophysics? Last night. The packet. The extraction theory papers. Am I the only one who did the reading? I even did some reading over the winter break. Now, in my show, The Walk, I'm complaining about the winter break being so busy and, and having had so much work. But nevertheless, despite that, I was able to, because I was actually forcing myself to go to the movies and to read some books and to do a little bit more than, than just working, um, I, I was able to uh, sample a, a couple of books. Um, and I found a new way to read books. You know that I'm a huge fan of audiobooks, and I actually prefer to listen to audiobooks than to read books because I can focus more and I can do something else. I can fold the laundry or clean the house uh, when I'm um, uh, when I'm listening to audiobooks. The downside of audiobooks is that they are very expensive. So sometimes I'll pick up an audiobook when they're on sale. Usually when when Amazon, uh, the Amazon Kindle store puts a book on sale, the audiobook is reduced in price as well, but they're still pretty expensive. So I have a small collection of audiobooks, but then we have technology that enables uh, machines to read books in you know, kind of something that resembles human language. And I have a, an app on my on iOS, Dream Reader, which is does a pretty decent job in reading books. And I heard that um, Alexa is able was able to read books in a much higher quality voice than Dream Reader or other technologies. Like um, iOS also has uh, a screen reader uh, abilities, but it's it's kind of clunky and doesn't read everything. Um, and Google also is able to read audiobooks or to read regular ebooks, but of course. It's a walled garden, like what Apple is doing and Amazon. They're all kind of fencing it off. So you can't let your Kindle books be read by your uh, Google system. So it only reads books that you bought at the Google Play Store. Eh, I, I, I'm not sure. The, I, I kind of want to stay in one... <laughs> In, in one system for my for my books and I happen to have an American Kindle account so I, and I've bought most of my books uh, on the American Kindle store. So how do I get access to Alexa? Hopefully your your device didn't switch on by that. <laughs> I, I seem to have a voice that that activates all these 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 <laughs> these intelligent systems. Um, so uh, the the problem is that Amazon in the Netherlands is very, very small. There is an Amazon in Germany, and the Dutch store is kind of derived from the German stores. It's basically a robot translation of the German store. But because we're neighbors, we can have Amazon Prime, and if we order something at the German store, Prime will also do free shipping to the Netherlands. So we that gives us also Prime Video, but Prime Video in the Netherlands is almost non-existent. I know no one else who's, who's watching. Well, Inge has had uh, Amazon Prime for a while, but almost no one even has heard about Amazon Prime. So I'm, I'm watching a few series on Amazon Prime, but it's really pretty terrible. That, that, that They only have like the second season of Avatar, for instance, not the first one. They have these really bad movies and also just very little content compared to Netflix and it's pricey for what you get um, but then the, what baffles me is that Amazon is not selling their Alexa devices to the Netherlands well they do sell one of those uh, intelligent speakers but it's an international version and it's handicapped it does not read audiobooks for instance for what I don't know for what reason Probably because most of the people that use these devices in Europe 
are buying uh, foreign language books or books that are not in English and Alexa does not speak Dutch and does not speak German or perhaps it does but not good enough to read books and so they 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 disabled the ability for these Alexa devices to read ebooks and then you'd say well why don't you order uh, one in the UK or in the United States well turns out that if I want to order an Alexa, even the, the small dot speakers in the United States, it tells me we don't ship to the Netherlands. Same for, for the uh, UK store. They don't ship to the Netherlands for whatever stupid reason. I want to give Amazon money. And they don't want to have it? What? It's so weird. So, um, another option would be to get a Fire tablet. These little tablets that uh, are just very cheap, relatively slow tablets, but you can use them as an e-reader. They uh, run on a modified version of Android. And those tablets, too, can read books, can read e-books. And so I'm trying to order one from Germany, and it says, uh, we don't deliver to the Netherlands. Uh, same thing in the UK, same thing in the United States. So unless I found some, find someone who, who can send one from the US to me, or I visit, I'm going to the US in April, for the Star Wars convention in Chicago. So I, I may be able to pick up one in the United States. But there's just no Alexa in the Netherlands. It's stupid. Um, and, but I found a solution. There is an Alexa app, which I never really installed because I, I, my home runs on Google Home and not on Alexa. So, but I, I installed it on iOS. And lo and behold, it is able to read my eBooks. So I have it read the Dragon Riders of Pern. And after a while, I'm listening to that story, and it's a new world, so I'm not familiar with the story. And at one point, it's like, wait, did, but they, didn't they just visit that village the, in the last chapter? And now there's this conversation that looks that sounds so similar to, to what happened earlier on in the story. Well, it turns out <laughs> that wasn't the fault of the writer. It was the fault of Alexa, who was repeating... A chapter. So, and, and it's in the middle of a chapter, all of a sudden it goes back and it starts reading, like, I don't know, part of the story that it has already read. And it does this all the time on all devices. It's just crazy. I also have uh, an Android phone, an old OnePlus One phone, um, which I've upgraded uh, during the winter break with um, a... Uh, custom ROM, so it now runs Oreo 8.1. So I was able to download the uh, Alexa app on the Android. So like, let's give it a try on 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 uh, Android, and it works better on Android. It does not repeat itself; doesn't go back in time. So that bug is not in the Android version. But as soon as I um, uh, put uh, plug in uh, headphones, it stops reading. I'm like. What? Is that to prevent people from capturing the sound or something like that? It's so weird. The moment I connect my headphones, it stops reading. The only trick that I found is I have to keep the, the screen on while it is reading the book to me. And I have to say, it reads really, really well. It is so much better than Siri and also really much better than, than what Google is able to do or, or uh, uh, what is it, uh, dream voice dream or dream voice um, or dream reader uh, it is it sounds natural like the pronunciation of, of names and terms it's almost flawless and it's very uh, very much sounds as, like as if someone is reading the book to you so um, it, it's definitely worth the investment so the only trick that I found was I have to keep the screen on until uh, the energy saving measures turn it off then I can close the, the lid. I have like this case that has a magnetic cover. And then I can uh, plug in the, uh, the headphones. But the moment someone calls me or something and I have to flip on the screen again, it stops reading. <sighs> Such a hassle. And I love it so much. I want this technology to work. So... I'm still debating on what to do. Perhaps I'll, I'll get myself one of those dots when I'm in, in, in uh, the U.S. and then hook it up to a speaker set or something like that. Or 
perhaps does the dot have Bluetooth connection? Because I, I picked up a, a very cheap pair of, of wireless Bluetooth uh, headphones. Um, and they work really well. It's unbelievably cheap. I mean, Apple is charging, what is it, 150 bucks, I think, for, for those AirPods. This works like AirPods. They're really good quality. They're in-ear. Um, they have a, a charging case. It looks really, really cool. And I paid 14, 14 euros, I think, for that. Of course, it's China. But then Apple is also making this stuff in China. So <clears throat> I think it explains some of the, the, the problems that Apple currently is facing. Uh, not everyone wants to pay these marked up prices for, for, for just the Apple logo. So anyway, if, if the dot has Bluetooth, and perhaps that is a way for me to enjoy this, this service. I, I won't use Alexa for my, for my smart home because I'm... Google Home is, uh, is is working fine for me, but the the the, the ability to read my uh, ebooks to me is a total winner, and it saved me a ton of money because it's of course it's not as good as a real actor reading those books, but it gets it comes close. It does help me to read these books. So which books did I read or started reading? Um, the Dragon Riders of Pern. I started to by Anne uh, McCaffrey, and I also started to read a book by Steve Alton called *The Meg: A Novel of Deep Terror*. Now, this is a story that was turned into a movie earlier last year uh, about a super shark, a shark from prehistoric times, based on a real uh, prehistoric creature that that was uh, um, uh, swimming around in our oceans. Um, but everybody thought it was extinct, and well, this this story uh, is about this this one prehistoric super shark that survived and is now you know it's got like kind of jaws but but bigger. <laughs> um, and I totally expected the 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 book to the book to be really bad, but it's actually quite quite enjoyable. It it reads a bit like Michael Crichton. Um, there there is actually an effort to make it believable. So. Um, it's it's quite enjoyable, and on purpose, I'm not watching the movie first. I'm first reading the book. I uh, picked it up at a sale for 99 cents, so I was like, okay, even if the book is not that good, it's still, it's, eh, it's, it's, it's popcorn, a popcorn book, and then I'll watch the movie afterwards. So it's, I'm actually pleasantly surprised by the Meg, and I'm, I'm having uh, Alexa read that book to me. If only it would work a little bit better. Well, since we're already talking about tech, let's move over to the world of technology. We are on the cutting edge of technology. Wow. Well, what does that mean? Let's plug it in. It's going to say, hey, I see you plugged in a new device. And it's going to load in the appropriate drivers. You'll notice that this scanner built... Whoa. Well, all your technology stuff, it just ends in disaster. But there is one more thing. So, of course, you've heard stories about Apple being in, in trouble. The, the stock, the, the Apple stock is, is, is on an all-time low. Well, not an all-time low, but it, it, it has crashed. And uh, the sales of the new models of the iPhone X, um, especially in China, but also in other parts of the world, are much lower than they expected. Um, and, of course, Everybody is, is uh, trying to, to analyze what could have caused this, this uh, certain, certain slowdown of, of Apple sales. Um, for me personally, it is the price. I, 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 I don't want to spend uh, 700 to 1,000 uh, euros on a phone. I'm not going to do that. It's just a phone, and it'll, it'll you know, it'll probably be uh, be out of date in, in two years from now. So, no, I'm not making that mistake again. I I bought uh no I I did I I bought the the battery upgrade for the um, six plus, and I'm holding on to it. I mean, it's 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 now fast again. It's not as fast, strangely enough, as my One Plus One with the Oreo update. That is an older phone. It's still faster than uh, than my iPhone Six. I tried switching to the uh, One Plus One with the new operating system because I, I actually quite enjoy using Android. It's it's quite handy, and I love the integration with Google. But um, for some reason, there's a problem. I think it's a hardware problem, a bug. Um, that prevents it from using mobile internet. So I can use it fine for phone calls and for um, for Wi-Fi, but not for mobile internet. 
Plus, the camera is really unsalvageable on, on the OnePlus One. It's such a bad camera, and it has a super long lag, so it takes like two seconds for, for it to take a photo. So there, it's just, nah, it's not good enough. But um, I wouldn't mind switching to an Android phone after, after using the 6 Plus. Um, I'm waiting for a phone that will give me like this wide-angle lens because I'm going to use it for, for filming as well. Um, the uh, What was I going to say about that? Okay, so I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see what Apple is going to do. Of course, they're going to try to make more money from their existing uh, user base uh, by uh, on CES. They or during CES, they didn't participate in CES, which is this big technology show. Um, they they announced that they will introduce another service this year. Probably going to be a television service. Um, they've been working on um, a platform that is going to be part of their, you know, Apple Music deal. Probably, <clears throat> they've also struck deals with a lot of television makers so that uh, they too offer iTunes compatibility. So they're definitely something is in the making. But I'm not sure if it will be enough for Apple. Um, they, they need to do something on the hardware side as well. Look at a wireless charging. They, they promised us a wireless charger more than a year ago, and they didn't make the deadline. This is Apple that we're talking about. Not a small, you know, Chinese phone company, but apparently they can't pull it off. And that is the weirdest thing. Whereas, you know, char wireless charging is so commonplace uh, in the world of Android and with phones that are only like half the price of, a, of an Apple phone with sometimes superior cameras. I'm not surprised that a lot of people are switching to Android. And I don't think that if Apple is going to focus solely on, on their services and, and is trying to keep their, con their customer base by kind of locking them into their services, I don't think they're going to they're going to be successful at that or not successful enough. There are so many alternatives that are just as good, sometimes even cheaper uh, than Apple. Um, I mean, look at the photos, for instance. I, I use Google Photos. I'm, I'm perfectly happy with that. Um, the, the, the only kind of extra uh, sales pitch that Apple can do is that they are much more focused on, on privacy. And, of course, with Google... You never know what they're doing with all your data, and, and Apple is uh, is now using their approach as a selling point. But even then, I'm I'm not sure if it's enough. I'm not sure if it's going to be enough. Anyway, we'll see this year what will happen. But I hope that Apple is going to innovate a little bit more on the hardware side because it's these these slight up upgrades are not going to uh, set them apart from from the competition anymore. Um, and I think people holding on to their devices is in itself a good thing. I mean, it's, it's a bit of a waste of money to, to, to buy a new phone every year or every two years. It's also better. For, so it's better for your personal finances if, you, if a phone works for, if you can use it for a longer time. And uh, it's also much better for the environment. So, eh. Um, and then I have some other uh, things that I want to share uh, tech-wise, but I'm going to keep, keep that for the after show because I'm running out of time. I need to wrap up this show. But for my patrons, I'll continue the conversation on the weekly after show. That is my thank you for all of you that support me. Go over to patreon.com slash fatheroderick if you want to become a patron and get access to that episode. We'll talk about Philips Hue and Ambilight and uh, Lego streaming and more. And I will see you next week. Take care. God bless.